Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Chris Farrell. Chris, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Excellent. Let's do this. Chris is a columnist at the Star Tribune, money.com, as well as Next Avenue. He does economics commentary at Minnesota Public Radio and is a contributor at Bloomberg Business Week and is the author of Unretirement, How Baby Boomers Are Changing the Way We Think About Work, Community, and the Good Life. We're excited to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Although I do have to say now with, with Bloomberg Business Week, no longer, but it is Marketplace, Public Radio's Marketplace, Minnesota Public Radio, and Next Avenue, and the Star Tribune, as you mentioned. Perfect. Important to be accurate. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your personal life and some more about your work and why it is that you do what you do. For my whole life, I've been involved in journalism and sort of two strands. I mean, one strand has been more personal finance, helping people manage their money well, help people create the kind of life that they want to do. And the other part has been the economy and public policy and what sort of policies and incentives would help this economy grow better and have more people be included in, in this economy. I mean, these are the things that excite me. So you've been all interested in personal finance and economics over the past 25, 30 years. One of the major conversations has been the aging of the population. I don't know if you realize this, but the baby boom generation is getting older. And this has been just like this conversation that's been going on. And much of the conversation, both on the personal finance side and on the economic side, has been a story of doom and gloom, right? Baby boomers haven't saved enough, an aging population is not saving enough, and an aging population is going to drag down the underlying dynamism of the U.S. economy because we're going to have too many old people being supported by too few young people. And my basic suspicion was this didn't make a whole lot of sense. That's what markets work well. And if you're telling everybody that there's going to be something bad coming along, eventually markets adjust. So I really started looking into particularly the economics of an aging population. And really what it comes down to is people may be denied the opportunities because of age discrimination or stereotypes. But the fact of the matter is an older population has a lot to offer to our society, to our companies, in our volunteer efforts. And on the other hand, by working longer, by staying engaged, people who haven't saved that much during their working years will be able to continue to save, put some money aside, and really you know, construct a much better life for themselves and our society as they get older. Well, I think that that's, that's excellent. And I certainly have heard for a long time that the biggest class, or the, the, the biggest generation of people is going to be retiring soon. It's going to be 10,000 people a day who are going to retire. Um, so there's been no shortage, to your point, about hearing about all this. And your thought process and you're advocating that it's really a positive thing that boomers are potentially going to be in the workplace for longer. Um, and I've seen that with, with, with my parents um, who have been working longer than I think traditional past generations have. Um, do you see challenges with people working longer, though? 
Well, I think there's a lot of challenges. I mean, one is by working longer, people get this image of you're going to be continuing to do the job that you've been doing for the past 25 or 30 years, and you're going to do it for five more years and just suffer through it. <laughs> and for most people, you know, they, they want to be engaged. They want more flexibility. People really do want more flexibility. And I actually think younger people also want more flexibility. This is one of those things where millennials and boomers, you know, are on the same page when it comes to the workplace. If you're having a young family, you want flexibility. As you get older, you want some flexibility at work. And often what people will do is they're going to leave their job. They're going to say goodbye to their colleagues for the last time. But they're going to take their skills and maybe move to a different sector of the economy. So let's say you were working in a, uh, for a for-profit firm. Well, maybe you go work part-time at a not-for-profit, something that you believe in. And one of the things when I was writing my book on retirement, and I talked to a lot of people, you would have the exact same conversation with young college graduates. And people are entering into their 60s when it came to work. It was both of them wanted to earn an income. Both of them wanted to do something that they were proud about, something that would make a difference. And when it's a young person, we applaud that, right? Mm -hmm. You probably have young people coming to you, I'm about ready to graduate from college. And you don't, you don't tell them, well, you want to get a job that's going to pay your mortgage. That's all you want. Just get a job that's going to pay your mortgage. So you talk about a conversation about, yes, you want to own a home and you want to be able to pay your mortgage, you want to pay your bills, but you want to be doing something that you're proud about that gives meaning, that makes a difference. It's the exact same conversation with the 60-somethings. So this working longer is about engagement, it's about meaning, but also about money. And the thing is, we're in a period of experimentation. People have to figure it out themselves. There aren't easy off-ramps. We have easy off-ramps when it comes to retirement. We know what that is. But what's an easy off-ramp? You're in your 60s. You want to work part-time. You want to do something that has meaning and money. It's not always easy to find that. It seems like it's tough for many of us to find meaning in our work. You read about how only 30% of people are really happy with, with their jobs. So... To your point earlier, I think that young people want to feel like they're doing good work, to be proud about the work that they're doing, no matter what age. Um, That's right. So in, in your research for, for unretirement and just your, the, the, the work that you've been doing over the course of your career, do you have any insight into what makes people happy with, with their work, feel, feeling proud of it? Are there through lines with, between people that, that, that are engaged? So I think there are some through lines, but also remember that in the course of a lifetime, your priorities may change, your values may change. If you have a family, there may be a period of time where, you know, spending time with your children is really valuable to you, particularly when they're young. And then there may be a period of time where you're unhappy at your job. It's just not really, you know, you don't particularly like your boss, just things aren't going well, maybe business is declining, you don't see much opportunity for advancement. But yeah, you got some important bills you have to keep making. So you stick it out for a period of time. Nothing wrong with that. We all have gone through that period of time. But I think the thing is, you, you know, what people really want is opportunities to be creative, to be engaged, to have a voice. And as long as there's opportunities, it doesn't really matter a whole lot about what you're doing. If you enjoy doing it and you like meeting the people and you like the people that you're with, um, 
as long as you have some autonomy, some engagement, some creativity, that typically turns out to be a good job. And one way of thinking about this, if you look at the surveys, and these, there, there are so many surveys, people have retired, retired full time. And they say, okay, so what do you most miss about your previous life? And you would think money would be number one on the list. Not money's actually pretty far down. What is number one on the list are colleagues, <laughs> vendors, suppliers, customers. It's people. The workplace is a community. So another way of thinking about it is, do you like the people you're working with? Are these the kind of people you want to hang out with? Are these the ones you want to gossip with and, 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 and uh, you know, support when someone has a baby and help someone get through a divorce? So if you like the people you're around in this community, well, that's a pretty good job right there. Yeah, that seems to be one of the main things that, if not the main thing, that makes people happy is our connection to our family, our friends, our local community. And if that's good, then you're probably going to be a contented person. And if it's not, well, then you're going to be looking for another job. So um, it's fascinating to me. My grandfather uh, grew up on a farm in South Dakota during the Great Depression and served in World War II and then got recalled to Korea. And I think that when he went to work, he was, he, he was one of the fortunate people to stay with the same company for 35 years and then retire at a relatively young age. Um, and so now my mom is a baby boomer and um, so is my dad. Um, and so their priorities for work is less so than what my grandfather's was. But then you have the millennials, who's a younger a generation younger than, than, than I am, who are very, very interested in talking about purpose and finding my impact. Uh, so it's fascinating to me to see the different sort of changes in mindset that different generations have, which isn't groundbreaking. The statement I just made is not groundbreaking. No, but, but it's important to remember. Yeah. So do you have, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you do, thoughts on somebody who's approaching retirement or stopping full-time work, how you would go about evaluating what might be a good fit in unretirement? Yes, have many thoughts, several thoughts. See if I can, you know, boil them down. I mean, one is, you know, we've had a conversation for the past three decades where asset allocation, diversification, mutual funds, 401ks, IRAs, has become synonymous with retirement planning. And don't get me wrong, asset allocation matters, diversification matters, saving for retirement does matter. So that is important. But for the moment, that conversation about planning for retirement has focused too much about money. And I think as people, and you know, realistically, you may talk about retirement in your 30s, but realistically, you're in your 50s when you really start thinking about retirement. And you also have a fairly realistic idea about what are your expenses are going to be and kind of what kind of lifestyle you're going to be living. So as you near those retirement years, start asking your question, what do I want to do next? What is it I want to do next? And the thing is, for many people, it's not that simple a question to answer. Because on the one hand, you've probably been doing something and you developed the skills, you've been a nurse, you've been a teacher, an educator, and so you do have some skills and you you might want to retire and, 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 and stop working for a while, but what is it I want to do next? And so then um, 
what I think there you develop are the skills that we, again, as we recommend to young people, which is start tapping into your network. What do you think I would be good at doing? Start having informational coffees with people. Perhaps there's a nonprofit organization you like, and you supported this nonprofit organization over the years, and you believe in their cause. And now you're going to meet with them with a different uh, lens, which is, would I want to work there? I don't just want to volunteer. Would I want to be on their payroll, maybe part-time, flexible time? And so take several years to really figure it out about what is it you want to do. Tap back. Get in touch with your former college roommates 40, 50 years ago, whatever it was. Get in touch with your former college roommates, you know, and say, okay, what did I want to do back then? What did I talk about? What did I say I really desired? So you might get some insight and and almost like create a your your own board of directors. You're you're an enterprise. You're entrepreneurial. You're going to create something new. So have your board of advisors who are going to help you think through what is it you'd be good at doing. Have these informational coffees, but really spend a lot of time. What do I want to do next? And of course, the classic is I want to spend time with the grandchildren. That's wonderful. The greatest job in the world is to be a grandparent. So you want to spend time with the grandchildren. Maybe you want to be traveling. That's sort of a classic thing. But what do you also want to do next, whether that's volunteer or for pay? And then how will that affect your finances? Because for most people, if they can bring in some money, even if it's a little bit about money, you know, it can really change their finances by bringing in some money. If you think about um, if you brought in, uh, let's see, if you brought in $20,000 in the year, part-time income, you know, what's that? That's the equivalent of a 4% withdrawal on a $250,000 portfolio, which is, you know, that's in the personal finance world, that's sort of 4% number. How much can I withdraw from my portfolio? That's kind of the number, that baseline number that people use, that rule of thumb, and then, of course, you adjust it. But think about it, $20,000 is the same thing as a 4% withdrawal from a portfolio. So is that kind of a calculation? Well, I think that that makes a ton of sense. And I love practical, good information, and that's certainly what this is. So thank you for that. Uh, And I definitely think that you're right. We do focus too much when we talk about retirement planning just on the dollars and the cents and and money. And too much of the conversation is somewhat trite, saying, yep, time with kids, traveling. Well, of course, everybody thinks that they want to do that. But let's get get down to the brass tacks of it and really examine the different categories you need to look at. So place you want to live? Um, are you going to stay in the same house? What you want to be doing every day? Are you going to be going out for dinner? All, all, all those kinds of kinds of things. So Yeah. So I think the most valuable asset that an older worker has, an older person has, as they're nearing those traditional retirement years, their most valuable is not their home, it's not their 401k, it's not their IRA. Their most valuable asset is their network that they've accumulated over the years. These are the people that know them as colleagues, know them as uh, friends, know them as neighbors, know them as you know involved in the temple, the church, whatever it is, your network is your most valuable asset. Because the fact of the matter is, the reality is, as you get older, you don't get a job. You don't get an opportunity going through the human resources department. You don't follow your resume and in response to something and think that someone's going to get back to you and say, hey, by the way, we'd really like you to work with us. The way you get a job, the way you get an opportunity, whether it's volunteer work 
or paid work is through your network. So that is your most valuable asset. Nice. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. Excellent. Well, Chris, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, my difference-making tip is basically to repeat what I just said, but my difference-making tip is to change your mindset as you're nearing the retirement years. We have industries, the financial planning industry, the real estate industry, uh, government agencies, nonprofits. Everybody is saying leisure, leisure, leisure as you're nearing those retirement years. And they're talking about your money. And what I want to say is ask yourself this question. What's next? What do I want to do next? What will give me meaning over the next stage of my life? That's my main tip is change the focus of the question of retirement planning and everything else falls into place. Oh, that is great stuff. That definitely warrants a come on. Come on. So, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, I'm. Uh, you can go to nextavenue.org. I write a biweekly column, and it's all about working longer well into the traditional retirement years. Nice. We will certainly list that in the notes of the show. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Chris your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.